His part is who goes down to the battle, so shall be his part who stays by the supplies, and they shall share alike. And this is a really wonderful concept, isn't it? A wonderful thing that David did. He says, you know what, when, we're, when we go to battle, there are some people who are going to have to stay by the stuff, and there are some of us who are going to have to go out to battle. For whatever reason, they stay by the stuff, and we have to go out to battle. But when we come back with the spoil, we divide it evenly among ourselves. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. When David and the men that continued to fight with him returned with the spoil, the men of the supply camp saw their own possessions among the spoils of battle, and they wanted them back. The men who fought the battle protested and said they could only have every man's wife and children, but none of their possessions. David declared an important principle here. The supply lines are just as vital as the soldiers, and God will reward both soldiers and suppliers properly. Even so today, many people serve the Lord in invisible and behind-the-scenes ways, often supporting the much more visible aspect of the Lord's work. God will support the hidden servants with the same reward as the prominent servants. Now here's Pastor Rob. They could not cross the river Bezor. The river Bezor is just south of Gaza, and it's a river that really runs uh, sort of um, southeast, right under Ziklag, uh, which is to the north. And so they cross from Ziklag. They go over across this river Bezor into the land of where the Amalekites had taken the people from Ziklag. And this place, this Bezor, it literally means cool because the water from the mountains melts and it runs and it goes down into the Mediterranean. So this is a great fresh water source. And so they go down. And it says, and then they found, as they go down, they cross the river. And 200 of the men were so weary because of the journey. Remember, they had just made this three-day three journey from Aphek all the way down to Ziklag. They're tired they're emotionally distraught because of what's happened, and now they're going to go out to battle again. And 200 of the guys, that's, that's one-third of his men, are like, we just cannot do this, David. We don't have the grace for this. And David said, no problem. You stay here by the stuff, and the two-thirds of us, the 400 of us, we're going to go after him. <laughs> I love that. So as they're going after the Amalekites, it says in verse 11, that they found an Egyptian in the field and they brought him to David and they gave him a piece of bread and he ate and they gave, let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him and he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Notice the compassion that David, you know, he wasn't this, he wasn't this trained killer. You know, as much as his exploits were very well known and as much of a great warrior as he was, one of the great things that, about David is he, he had this great warrior, the skill of a warrior, but he had the compassion in the heart 
of God. He sees a man out in the field, and David said to him, verse 13, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. So here you have this man, this, you know, uh, who was a, a servant of an Amalekite. An Amalekite in the Bible is, is a type of the flesh, somebody who is dominated by Satan. And notice how Satan treats his servants. He falls sick. They're retreating for the, with spoil from the battle, not assuming they're going to run into anybody because they, the Amalekites think the Israelites are way up north fighting this battle with the Philistines. They don't even, they could have taken the time, the Amalekite could have helped his servant from Egypt. But what does he do? He falls sick and eh, just leave him. Isn't that what Satan does to us? <laughs> he doesn't care about you. You know, I think of all these musicians and these rock groups, and they're, they're on the Grammys or the Emmys or whatever awards they get, and they're having the time of their life, making the money, having the fame, and they don't even realize that the devil has got them in their clutch of their hand. And then before long, you get the news clipping, so-and-so, you know, fentanyl and drugs, he died. Another one got drunk, fell off a building, died. The other guy, he's got three wives. They're all divorcing him. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just complete disaster. Amalek is a type of the flesh. And we see this Egyptian servant as sort of like the, a type of the needy sinner. And David here and his men, or David, like a type of Christ. He sees the needy sinner. He, like the Samaritan that we looked at last Sunday morning. Or, you know, the... Um, the Samaritan who sees the man wounded, you know, and he goes down and he lifts him up and he takes him and takes care of him, has him taken care of. But David, his compassion. And then verse 14, and notice what the Egyptian says to David. And this is, and he's fearful for his life. And maybe he doesn't realize who it is that he's speaking to. The Egyptian says to David, we made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites, which is down in the southern part of, of Israel, down there by um, uh, uh, south of Ziklag, down in that area down there. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites and the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? And so he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. <laughs> and when he had brought him down, there, there they were, spread out all, all over the land. Notice, they were eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah, including Ziklag, and why are they doing that? Because what are the, what is the Amalekites, what are they thinking? It was a perfect time for them to raid these southern borders because where was the rest of Israel? They were up north fighting the Philistines in the valley of Jezreel. It was the perfect storm. So there they are. And it says, Dave, uh, verse 17, David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. And so David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives 
and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. He recovered everything, and even more in abundance because he raided them. He spoiled them for all the spoils that they had spoiled from Judah. Right, So now they not only got all their stuff back, but from all the places in Judah where the Amalekites had raided and grabbed all their loot and stuff, they got all that back too. And we'll see what he does with that a little bit later. But think of how rewarding it was for this man of Egypt. Put your place in this man of Egypt. He's laying there in the middle of the sun. He's been there three days. He's, he's sick. He's, he's on death's door. It makes you wonder why some of the forest animals didn't find him. The coyotes, or the, the foxes, or the bears, or whatever, lions. He's laying out there, nobody cares. And now he's actually able, he's serving a new master, isn't he? He's serving David, who has treated him with great compassion. Not only didn't, he didn't, David didn't kill him, but he also made sure that he was safe from his master, who treated him horribly, which is very typified in Christ, Christ doing the same thing. We serve him because he loves us. The devil, he, he, he wants to just destroy us. What a slave master he is. What a horrible, horrible slave driver he is. But God comes along and rescues us. Hallelujah. Amen? But think of how rewarding this would have been for this man to know that as these people are coming back, he was once a slave himself, and now he's seeing so many hundreds of people women and young kids being taken out of that certain place of slavery and the, and the horrible conditions they would have had to endure. Verse 20 says, Then David took all the flocks and the herds they had driven before them and their livestock and said, This is David's spoil. And now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the, the brook Bezor, which, remember, this, this, this brook is in the southern part, right to the south of Gaza, uh, and it empties out into the Mediterranean. It, it, goes from, it flows from east to west, from the mountain areas, cold, fresh water. It says, so they went out to meet David, these men who had stayed by the stuff while they went and fought the battle, and, 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 to the peop- and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them, and then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they didn't go with us, we will not give any of them any of the spoil which we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. So there were men, isn't it amazing? And this group of guys, they're just a ragtag, rough bunch of guys and some of them are like, you know what, these guys stayed here by the, by the brook, they couldn't make it. But we, the tough guys, you know, we're the ones who went out in battle. We're not going to give them anything. We'll give them their wife and their children back, but nothing less. That's it. Nothing more. Off, off you go. And isn't that an awful heart? <laughs> and then David, what does he say? But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with, the Lord has give, with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall be his part who stays by the supplies, and they shall share alike. 
And this is a really wonderful concept, isn't it? A wonderful thing that David did. He says, you know what, when, we're, when we go to battle, there are some people who are going to have to stay by the stuff, and there are some of us who are going to have to go out to battle. For whatever reason, they stay by the stuff, and we have to go out to battle. But when we come back with the spoil, we divide it evenly among ourselves. And I wonder if David, I wonder if David heard this before. Because back, right next to that verse 24, I want you to write down a scripture reference. It's Numbers 31. Numbers 31, verse 25 through 54. Numbers 31, verse 25 through 54. There was the battle of, the, uh, of Israel when they were um, still on the east side of the Jordan River. Before they crossed over into the Promised Land, there was a battle that they had with the Midianites, and the, and the Lord had Moses do the same thing with the spoils of war as David is doing now. And I, I and in fact, let me just read the first uh, verses 25 through 27 to you in this uh, Numbers passage, Numbers 31. It says that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Count up the plunder that was taken against the Midianites of man and beast, you and Eleazar the priest and the chief fathers of the congregation. And notice what he says, And divide the plunder into two parts, between those who took part in the war, who went out to battle, and all the congregation. We see the precedent back in Numbers 31. Now, whether David remembered that or had access to that, or whether the Spirit of God just gave it to him, it doesn't really matter. He did it anyway because it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. So verse 25, so it was from that day forward. He made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoils to the elders of Judah, to his friends. Remember, these are the people that harbored him and his men when he was on the run from Saul. And there were certain people that helped David along the way. And so he's going to reward them with these things. And after all, it was these people from Judah and the Kenites and these people in the, in the southern area of Judah were the ones that were robbed by the Amalekites to begin with. So do you see what's happening? David, being this vagabond, and as he was running from Saul, he had certain people that he could trust. Not many, but he had friends. And now the Amalekites come at this opportune moment. They raid Judah. They steal a bunch of stuff. David goes after them, gets his wife, because they raided Ziklag too. He gets all the stuff back from his own, you know, his own town and the people. And he also takes back what the Amalekites stole from Judah. And now he's starting to give it away, giving it back to them. And what a wonderful gesture it is. And it was a good thing, too, because David was winning the heart of the Israelites back to him, his own tribe of Judah. Because if Judah wasn't going to accept him as king, he'd be in a lot of trouble. Now, I think David was doing this because of his own natural heart. I don't think he was doing it just to, you know, to save face. I think he really wanted to restore because he loved the people, even though he was in a kind of a strange place for a time because of his fear and unbelief. But notice what it says. So, verse 26, So when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. And to those, and, and here it lists, from here to the end of the chapter, it lists the, the, the people, the groups of people that he, he gave spoil back to them. It says, to those who were in Bethel, verse 27, those who were in Ramoth of the south, those who were in Jatir, those who were in Aurora, 
those who were in Sifmoth, those who were in El Eshtemoah, those who were in Rachel, those who were in the cities of Jeramelites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, those who were in Hormah, those who were in Koration, those who were in Athak, those who were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. So these men of Judah, who were faithful in helping David and his men during the flight from Saul, they get rewarded in great measure. Do you remember back in Samuel chapter 22? This was right before Saul murdered Ahimelech and his sons in the city of Nob after David had left there. Remember what Saul said to his men at that time? He said this. He said to his servants who stood about him, he said, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? What is David doing now with the plunder that the Amalekites had taken from them? He's given it all back. And it lists all the towns and all the people. Because of his heart, David had a, a wonderful heart. And that's the kind of heart that we need, amen? And yes, David ultimately did give them rewards. Much to the chagrin of Saul, who only saw David in the worst possible light. But David, again, had a heart of compassion. He loved people. And that's what made him a great king, as we're going to see. And so what a blessing. What a blessing. You know, if we could have um, Aubrey come on up, we're going to take communion. And I want to encourage you. You know, when you feel like God is far away from you and you feel like you've blown it, God is not done with you. He's not done with you. There's no mistake that you can make if you really have learned from it and you're really repentant of it and you really are desiring to be restored to God. He is not going to turn you away. But the thing is, is that we do that. You know, when we, when we blow it, we confess. Remember the promise in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, I think it is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from our sins and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. That's a promise that God gives. Let's take advantage of it and not get to the place like Saul where we just continue to, to do the wrong thing. You know, the, the decisions that we make are just always wrong. But let's get to David like David where his heart was. He started to inquire of the Lord. He learned his lesson. He, he figured it out. The Lord shook his tree, so to speak. He, he brought him into a place where his life, everything was taken away from him. And the Lord got his attention. And isn't it true the Lord knows how to get each one of our attention? With me, he doesn't have to apply the heat too much, and I'm crying uncle. But sometimes he comes into a life like a hurricane. And is it just because he just wants to be mean? No. He chastens those whom he loves. And sometimes when we're going in the wrong direction, we need our tree shaken a little bit. And some of us have gone through some really horrible things, very difficult things, very trying things, and know that God loves you even in the midst of those things. He's not mad at you, but he is getting your attention. Will you allow your ears to be attentive, your heart to be attentive to him? See, that's what we need. That's what we need. Amen? Amen.
as, uh, as we worship, just feel free to come on up and grab the, um, the bread and the cup and bring it back to your chair, and we'll take it together, okay? One of the great privileges that we have as Christians is to take communion. And when we take communion, when we take the, the bread and the, and the cup, we know that it's symbolic of Jesus' body that was broken for us, that while Jesus was in that upper room the night before he would be betrayed, and the very next day his body would be broken through the whips and the scourgings and the spear and the crown of thorns on his head, his flesh would be broken and then his blood would be spilled. Jesus, the night before, already knowing what was ahead of him, he said, take, eat of the bread, for this, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this often in remembrance of me. And so he took the piece of bread and he passed it around. And so let's take the bread. And when he had done that, he had taken the, the cup of the, the wine. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. And I find it interesting that Jesus said that when he hadn't even gone to the cross yet. Don't you find that interesting? Because the very next day, he was very much in control of what was going to happen. Even though there were at times where it seemed like something else could have happened. Remember when he was on trial with Pilate? And Pilate said, I, have no, I find nothing wrong with him. And he was willing to let him go. Do you think Jesus is going, oh no, all the prophecies and all the things, are, it's, it's coming to an end right now, I've got to do something. No, he was in perfect control. He knew that Pilate would ultimately, because he's a man pleaser, he knew he would give him up. And certainly he did. Jesus wasn't worried at all. The night before, he said, this is the blood of my new covenant, because it was, in his mind, in his heart, it was already a done deal. He knew what was going to happen. He just had to walk through it in obedience. And God made sure that the Son of God, his body would be broken and his blood would be spilled for us. The only sacrifice that could have occurred that could re- reconcile us to a holy God was a perfect sacrifice, which all the sacrifices in history in the Jewish custom was not able to put away. The blood and bulls and goats wasn't good enough. It just it was a temporary thing until the real thing came, which is Jesus Christ. And so when we take the cup, we acknowledge that truth. His blood takes away the sin of the world. My sin and your sin. Thank you, Jesus. And we take this in honor of you and in remembrance of you in your precious name. So, Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for the, the passage that we read, Lord. We thank you for the exhortations, Lord, the warnings, Lord, that are there. And, um, Lord, we just ask that you would do that same work in us that you did in David. Lord, just reconciling us, Lord. I thank you for the, the restoration, Lord, that you have worked on our behalf, Lord. There's no one else that could have done it, Lord. We certainly couldn't have done it because of any good work that we may have done, Lord, it had to be the Son of God taking that price for us. And so, Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that we are in your beloved. Thank you that you love us. And we just pray for your blessing on us now as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.